Welcome to God's Watchmen. Thank you for tuning in. Today we have another special guest. He's such a blessing to be around. He's a spirit-filled man whose heart is after the Lord's. He's actually one of our own pastors here at Calvary Chapel, Lebanon. His name is Pastor Dwayne, and it's great to have you here, Pastor Dwayne. Um, Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. And we are real excited to hear a little bit about yourself and what it is like, what it was like to be a missionary's kid and really touch on what it was like to go on missions as you got older. So, uh, sure. as we dive in here, uh, Pastor Dwayne, would you be willing to tell us a little bit about yourself, what, what your daily life's like and what it's like to have kids and a wife and what it's like to be a pastor here? Yeah, so I can start with some history. So Go for it. Yeah, I'm the youngest of four. So my my mom and dad um, came to faith in Christ when I was born, the year I was born. So they they had attended a neighborhood Bible study, and a neighbor had invited them over. My mom got saved first, and then a week later, my dad went over to express his displeasure about my mom's faith and ended up getting saved as oh, well. Wow. Yeah, which was pretty cool. That was the year I was born, and from that point on, my dad really early on had a calling for, to go into ministry, and so. Um, he had been on track to be a farmer um, and take over the family farm in Western PA and Bedford County. And then the Lord called him into ministry. So um, my earliest memories was my dad and mom going to Bible college. And from that point on, we were on track to to go serve as missionaries in South America and Brazil. So my dad and mom were called to go to Brazil. Um, wow. And... From the time, I think I, w- I was eight years old when we left to go to Brazil finally. Uh, but my dad had already been through Bible college and through training. My mom my mom had as well. And then we left for Brazil when I was eight. Okay, wow. That's interesting background. Yeah. How long were you in Brazil? So uh, I was there from the time I was eight till 18. Okay, so 10 years? Yeah. Do you speak Spanish or do they speak Spanish? They speak Portuguese. And oh, yes, Portuguese. Yes, I do. Okay, can you speak a little Portuguese? Yeah, so, Bom dia todo mundo, como vai? What did you tell me? I said, <laughs> hello everybody, how are you? Awesome, that's awesome. neat, I, I like that. Uh, so, thanks for giving us a little bit of background. Um, Before we get into growing up as a missionary, I would like to just, what's your daily life like today with the Lord? Like, how do you spend your time with the Lord? Yeah, I, I, that's a really good question. So a lot of times my day starts pretty early. So I don't, I often wake up in the middle of the night and I sleep four or five hours and then I'm up for a little bit. So usually my time with the Lord is in the middle of the night. So really? a lot of times between three, four in the morning is when I'm spending time with the Lord, reading, praying, okay. crying, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever's needed for that at that moment. And, um, I'm pretty disciplined about that. Okay. So I learned that from Pastor Tom a long, long time ago, probably 25 years ago. 25 years ago. Is, is yeah. that purposeful that that you wake up at that time or is that just kind of developed over time? Yeah, that's time? just kind of developed. That's just that's just who I am. And it's not because I'm super spiritual that I wake up that early mm-hmm. and to spend time with the Lord is just when I wake up. And then because I don't fall back asleep right away, I'd, I'd rather get up and be productive. And, and do you stay up or do you... Do you go back to sleep for a little bit? On good days, I go back to sleep. Okay. Yeah. I'll be up for about an hour, hour and a half, and then and then try to get another hour or two and sleep after that. So 
So it sounds almost like a blessing slash curse of the of the getting up, but <laughs> it, it's your time with the Lord. It certainly is. Yeah, some days yeah. it's pretty frustrating. I'm like, oh, that was only three hours of sleep until I, you know, and then I woke up and then try yeah. to get a couple more hours of sleep after that. But that's just the way it is. That's now, good. Now that you had mentioned that, um, in the beginning when he was waking you up, how long did you wrestle with not going to him, like reading and praying in the earlier stages of that? Oh, before I realized. Yeah, before I you. To... Yeah, before you got disciplined into doing it. Yeah, so I tried to to battle that with everything. Like, okay. I would get up and I would do whatever I needed to do to try to fall back asleep. And now I know that I wake up, my brain kicks in. It's just best to get up and you know start praying and read the word and start my day off that way. Awesome. So, yeah. to anyone out there that's waking up in the middle of the night. Maybe God's telling you to spend some time with them. So yeah, it's really helpful for me. And usually, when I, because my the way my brain works is my brain kicks in, and I start yeah. thinking about everything I need to do for the day. And then once that kicks in, then I'm awake. Yep. Right. And then, so if I get up and start praying and pray about all of those things, and I start asking the Lord questions about what I should be doing, and He reveals Himself, you know, shows me His faithfulness through the Word, then mm. I'm then that puts me at peace, and I'm able to fall back asleep. Awesome. Afterwards, yeah. Not every time, but uh, often. That's yeah, the I like case, that. So. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. So now, uh, is there anything that you're willing to share that the Lord has been speaking to you about personally that could be a word of encouragement to anybody or anything? God? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think related to, you know, life is, has its challenges. Mm-hmm. My family certainly has has had its challenges. We've had a major transition in the past year with, with our youngest son, Daniel, that, you know, we had cared for, for so long, uh, with his medical and behavioral issues. And mm-hmm. he has last November moved into a local group home that we're very pleased with. It's, um, so there's been a lot of change for my wife and I in the past year of no longer having that 24 seven care for my son, Daniel. And, um, just happened to be that our oldest son, Corin got married within a week of Daniel moving out. So within mm. one week, both boys moved out and that, that was quite a transformation for our house, for my wife and I. Um, and it certainly has relieved a lot of the stress, yeah. you know, that we had carried for 22 years caring for Daniel. Um, but, you know, God's faithful and now we're trying to figure out who we are <laughs> as, <laughs> as not, not being in full-time care for Daniel and yeah. working. And God's really showing that. I think God, has my wife and I in a in a season of of silence and waiting as we as he reveals to us you know who we are and helps us to figure that out and just what he wants us to do and to do differently yeah all of those things I was just this morning was reading the story of uh, one of the stories where where Jesus in Mark I think it's Mark five where he was in the they were crossing the the sea and Jesus was asleep and it said that he had his head on a pillow on a head on a cushion, which is beautiful to me that Jesus was sleeping with his head on a cushion. Cause mm-hmm. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that Jesus has his creature comforts in it. Yeah. But you know, they, he's, he woke up and rebuked the waves and that was it. And there was, and it says in Mark that there were other boats that were following them. So it wasn't just Jesus and the disciples, like, all those other boats experienced that too. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, I hadn't seen that before either. And 
And what just spoke to me was the Lord saying, Dwayne, you know, whatever your cares or worries are, like I can speak peace into them. I can speak and mm. tell them to be calm. And, you know, that's just a beautiful yeah. comfort to me. Yeah, that's, I wish I had the verse on me today, but we were in what, Luke 19 or 20 today? Yeah. I was speaking yep. about knowing peace. Yeah. understanding peace. So yeah. thanks for sharing that one because yeah. me, myself, I'm trying to understand peace. Jesus himself understanding that forgiveness and the peace that he brings. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So uh, back to you growing up in Brazil, you were there 10 years. Correct, yeah. I'm sure that was a blast and quite an experience. Could you... Uh, explain to us what the experience was like and um, where did you all go in Brazil with your parents or what what, what did you do in them 10 years? If... For sure. So so my parents were called to Western Brazil. So Western Brazil is south of the Amazon basin and it's more like a an arid plateau type area. Um, we had a rainy season and a dry season and the rainy season it rained every day the dry season it it was dry for six months so a lot of dust um no jungles around except for around the major rivers so I'd, i was about to ask were you I in the jungles spend, yeah i did spend a little bit of time in in some jungle but not not often it was a lot of uh, grasslands and okay scrub brush that type of thing a lot of cattle country um so i i really enjoyed it as a kid i'm an outgoing person i talk to anybody Everybody, I, mm -hmm. I made friends very fast. I learned Portuguese very fast. Um, I loved playing soccer with the local kids on the streets and making friends with people. I have still have close friends from my childhood in Brazil that I keep in contact with till today. And um, Brazil is just an open and wild country. You could ride your bike everywhere. I loved to hunt and fish, and so my parents would let me go do those things in Brazil. And I, I, I had bought an air rifle Yeah, and I oh, would go wow. out hunting doves and lizards. And how big were the lizards? The biggest, well, <laughs> I would go hunting iguanas with my dog. Oh yeah. So yeah, my dog, I had a German shepherd and he would tree the iguanas up in a tree and then I would shoot them out of the tree. Oh, that's get, awesome. They yeah. can get pretty big. Yeah. They Two, were, three feet, huh? Oh, at least three feet. Yeah. 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 And there was many types of lizards in Brazil. Could you eat them? Well, I didn't. I ate it once, but I would give them to the my neighbors that were poor. Okay. Yeah, they loved they loved them. So. Huh. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I would I would be more inclined to eat them now, honestly, than I was then. I was. Yeah. Yeah. So, but did, I did eat like everything else that yeah. we shot. Was there? Was there a lot of poisonous? Um, frogs or any any insects and snakes down there that yes. you had to be aware of like how was learning about that as a kid yeah you grew up with it it was just normal you just okay. learned to be cautious but yeah there was poisonous snakes everywhere okay yeah from little 12 inch they called them boipeva um, very toxic very poisonous to to huge constrictor type snakes so yeah pythons and boa constrictors and did you ever run into big big snakes yourself oh for sure so you're not scared of snakes? Oh, I dislike snakes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just picturing it now. I I'm terrified of snakes. Yeah. So so my dad, we always had pickup trucks, and uh -huh. my dad 
my dad does not like snakes either. So I get that from him. And so anytime there was a snake crossing the road, my dad would go out of the way to hit it with the truck. And um, now that would make all the PETA people very angry today. But Mm -hmm. You know, that was just kind of the way it was. And my dad yeah. always carried a machete behind the seat of the pickup truck. And so he would run over it and then, and then go out and chop off the head. Okay. But wow, I can tell you snake stories. Nah, I'm good. I'm good on snakes. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was the culture like down there? The culture is very open, very welcoming. It's family oriented. So okay. time schedules don't really matter a whole lot. You know, back at least in the early '80s, I think some things have changed now. But the the families are very welcoming. The families that we had in our church would always invite me over to come and stay and have meals and hang out with them. And I spent a lot of time in the Brazilians' homes. Okay. So they adopted me as their children and as their child and welcomed me into their family. Um, very very family oriented culture. So. If you're invited to somebody's house, it's an honor. Yeah. And when you stand up to leave, if you leave too early, it's a dishonor. Oh. So you're expected to stay when you come and yeah. And they treat you well. Okay. Yeah. That's that's so far into to the Western culture that we're used to. Yeah. Like we're very time oriented and we have our slots and so Yeah, it's that's and, challenging. And you're expected to to just pop in as well. They very much welcome you to you know, show up at their house and they will drop everything and entertain you, host you. Yeah. Wow. So uh, what what was the mission like for your parents? What were they doing while you were there? Were they sharing the gospel? Were they helping building like homes or communities? I don't know anything about what you would be doing down there or Sure. What What was that like? Yeah, my parents were in a church planting mission. Okay. So uh, my parents spent the first year in language training where they were learning the language for us kids. I'm the youngest of four. We learned it just because we had friends, Yeah. but they had to go to school to learn it. And so once my dad got through language training that first year, then he started speaking, started teaching oh, wow. at, a, at a small, a very small church in a neighborhood okay. there. And then my dad is a very likable person. So, um, you know, the churches grew, people got saved and eventually my dad then turned the first church over to a national, to a Brazilian that had been raised up through the ministry. Mm -hmm. And then he started another church and then repeated that cycle six times. I think your dad did six times. Yeah. Started six churches. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Yep. Eventually he started a Bible Institute to train the, the, ministry leaders to be like sort of like our school of ministry or, or the discipleship oh. class. He would do that. Okay. Once a week he would teach classes to train people to be pastors or wow. serving in ministry. So, wow. and and what's the, the time frame of that? Is that to today? Cause you were in Brazil for 10 years growing up. Right? Yeah. My parents stayed for, they were in Brazil 30 years. So they okay. were from 1980 to 2010. Okay. Um, and the mission has since it's completely run by nationals in Brazil. There aren't, it doesn't need or require any North American missionary support. It's wow. completely mm-hmm. run by Brazilians. And that all started with your mother and your father. Yeah, it did. Now there was, wow. there was one other couple that was okay. down there already. Yeah. Yeah. And then a single missionary went with us. So we were a team of 
two families and one single. Wow. Yeah. That's a beautiful answer and a call like that. Yeah, it really is. Now, my question is, how are you a part of the mission during all that? What What were some things that you did down there in Brazil? And um, what would you say was your biggest challenge? And how did the Lord work on you from 8 to 18 in Brazil? Yeah, for sure. So it's some of the roles that we had as kids was mm-hmm. just because we had friends that were Brazilians, they the families would come, the kids would come just because of the relationship. So one of the houses that we lived in in Brazil, we had a very large front yard, so we made a volleyball court and a soccer a soccer field yeah. there. And so the the youth and kids would come over on weekends and play. And there was times where we would have 50, 60 kids at our house just hanging out playing volleyball oh, or wow. playing soccer or hanging out on our big, we had a really large veranda. So, so our role was just you know, connecting. Yeah. I, I didn't really see it as a role. I was just having fun with my friends and mm-hmm. doing those types of things. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what we did. I don't. Okay. We did work projects. My dad was yeah. in construction before we went to Brazil and it served him well in Brazil. He built every church that we went, that we had, my dad yeah. built it. And so from an early age on, I I was always helping out with the construction projects and. Learn to work hard. Yeah. I think. I had my hands on all but two of the churches my dad started that I helped awesome. do. Yeah. Yeah, two of those churches. I'm just going to be honest with my vision. When I heard you were, grew up in South America, I was thinking you were in a jungle. <laughs> I was thinking that you weren't around many people. And to hear that you were blessed by, you know, 50, 60 kids around. So you, you had some company. I was thinking you grew up in, in the jungle and didn't have much <laughs> communion with people or fellowship with people yeah no it wasn't that way at all um i mean that draws a bigger picture i mean a better picture to to see that so yeah we um, were in a city that had in the surrounding areas probably five hundred thousand people okay around the city um there were there and so my parents would move into a neighborhood Mm -hmm. and they would start bible studies Okay. Several Bible studies at at the same time, and then once there was enough people attending Bible studies, then they would start a church from the people starting Bible studies. Hmm. And so, um, you know, we had moved often because of that. Yeah. Um, and that's that's how it happened. And these neighborhoods were large. There were the one neighborhood we moved into uh, that we that my dad started a church in was called Tijogal, and it I think it had close to five thousand houses in the. You know, okay. That, that were built for the yeah. Brazilian people. So at the time, did you notice God doing all the work building these churches or did you not really think about that? I mean, versus from then till now, looking back, like how beautiful it is. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I don't know that I was that spiritually attuned to yeah. what was going on. So um, for sure, we saw the hand of the Lord working and providing for us. Okay. Providing... Now, one last question about growing up in South America. What was your education like? Like, how'd you, what, did you go to school or did your parents teach you while they were busy or how'd right. that work? Yeah. So the city that we were in was Cuiaba and, and there were enough foreign missionaries in that city that there was a mission school for missionary kids. Okay. So I went to a, an American school oh. for missionary kids. Now it was tiny. There was. Yeah. Most of the time, my grades were four or five kids per grade, um, but it was a, I did receive 
like an American education okay. through that. So missionaries would actually be, be missionaries to teach at, at that school. Um, that was through, in elementary school, that was through Wycliffe. Um, it was a Wycliffe base where they did Bible translations for native, for native languages. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in high school, I went and lived at a boarding school. Okay. So I lived about 12 to 15 hours from home and how through l- high school. How long would you, would you be there the whole school year? The whole school year, yeah. Okay. Go home for Christmas break. And because it was a boarding school, they had a long Christmas break. It was yeah. like, I think, six weeks for Christmas. But okay, we'd, I'd live there all semester, two semesters. and. Okay. Did you like that? Yeah, it was good and bad. Yeah. I, I mean, had a lot of good friends from that time period. Yeah. Growing up in a, you know, living in a boarding school at an early age has its challenges, mm-hmm. but also a lot of fun as well. But, you know, it's not super yeah. healthy to be away from your parents at, at an early age. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm an outgoing person, so I kind of adapted pretty well. And What was, and being in like a missionary school, I think that would um, bring some really interesting stories and times. Um, missionary kids can be quite interesting sometimes. Yeah, well, you say <laughs> that kindly. <laughs> so, yeah, many and many missionary kids or MKs, as they're called, are you know, tend to be maladjusted and struggle a lot. And so, yeah, all types of shenanigans would happen at, on the missionary school. So, but we did crazy fun stuff yeah. all the time. We was not uncommon for us to grab our bikes in the at night and sneak out of the dorms and go for long bike rides, try to find a place open somewhere to get something to eat and yeah. you know, do, I don't know, just teenager stuff. Yeah. Just teenager stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So as you got older, um, you said you lived there till 18. I'm assuming you moved back to the U S I did. Yeah. What called you back to the U S and when did you start taking your walk with the Lord? seriously like you said you weren't spiritually in tune or i don't i don't know what i'm trying to ask but like when did you start sensing your call from god sure so about um i think my 10th grade year in high school i had a friend that was a missionary kid that committed suicide okay wow Um, wow yeah and that was pretty traumatic for me was he like your close friend no he was not he was a he was a missionary kid from the city that I had grown up with. We had gone to elementary school together, but we weren't in high school together. Yeah. So I remember I remember to the day, like I can still see it in my mind, hear it. I was standing on the porch of the high school mm-hmm. and I saw my sister who was in the boarding school with me and some of her friends talking and they were all huddled and quiet and serious. And I'm like, hey, what happened? What's wrong? And they yeah. said that our friend had passed away, killed himself. And wow. I remember right then and there deciding that I wasn't going to do, I wasn't going to deal with it. I just kind of ignored it and mm-hmm. went away. And But it, it left me with haunting, nagging questions about God and faith and all of those things. And I, I again, I, I didn't deal with the emotions that I had related to that. Mm-hmm. And so it eventually led to, to a lot of anxiety and depression, um, you know, that, just kind of coupled with, with other hard things in life, you know, just yeah. kind of left me in a place where I was really searching for wondering who God is, what is faith, you know, all of, all of those things. How do you, how do you know that God really exists? Yeah. Just took me to on a, a long journey that lasted a long time. So well into my college years before 
a lot of those faith issues were resolved. And how long was that? So I came back from Brazil um, after my high school year. And the pattern for most missionary kids was they would attend high school in the country that they were in and then go mm -hmm. back to the United States for college. And that's what I did. And my older siblings had all gone to Lancaster Bible College. Okay. So that's what I naturally did, followed them in their steps and came back, got a job, lived with my brother downtown Lancaster, PA for the summer and then started college that fall. And um, just, I did a couple years at Lancaster Bible College working, but still I hadn't really resolved the faith issues, the deep questions or the deep feelings, the, yeah. all the things that were going on inside me. So still periodically battling depression and anxiety. And then eventually in college, um, there were two more missionary kids that died mm. while that had been my friends from high school. Uh, yeah. One was killed in a car accident. Um, and another one was my roommate that, from high school and he died of a heart attack. Wow. And so I was, again, just really struggling with God and why asking, you know, why questions and all that was going on. And so my faith was just completely rocked. So I dropped out of college and my brother really wisely suggested I go to this place called Labrie Fellowship. Huh. And it was a place where you can go and ask questions and it's a communal living place. So I initially went to the one in, in Boston, Massachusetts. And then eventually there's another one called Labrie as well in Switzerland. So I lived there I lived in Switzerland and could oh. deal with the questions and emotions that I had surrounding God. How long were you in Switzerland? A semester. A semester. Okay. Yeah. And, and Labrie Fellowship, that's like a, a church? A no, it's a, program? yeah, it's a ministry. Yeah. Okay. It's a residential ministry, discipleship ministry where the founder Francis Schaefer, uh, who's very, it was a very popular author in the eighties, eighties mm -hmm. and nineties. Um, he created this ministry where people that had questions about faith, about God could come and ask questions and study. Yeah. And so you worked half a day and studied half a day. Uh, you had a mentor or a tutor, they called him assigned to you and they put you on a course of study, depending on what your interests were, what your needs were. And so it was super, super helpful for me. So, so wow. you're able to have a breakthrough with your faith questions or. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it really gave me uh, an intellectual basis for my faith, where I knew, I knew, you know, why the reasons why one would believe in Christianity, one would believe that God exists. It wasn't just a because I had inherited that faith from my parents, if that makes sense. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. You were trying to find. Yeah, I needed. I own. needed to figure it out for myself, and God needed to to meet me in my own life circumstances to be real. Around what age would you say that was? Um, that was, I turned 21 in Switzerland, so. Okay. Yeah. So after I, you came back from Switzerland, um, what what did you do then, like as you grew older? Yeah, I came back from Switzerland and, and transferred from Lancaster Bible College to Westchester University. So my mentor had very wisely suggested that I go to a state school a public, and get a public, mm -hmm. finish out my college degree. Um, and I had an interest in anthropology and sociology. So I studied those two things. And um, as as the Lord's sovereignty would have it, the chair of my department was a born again believer wow. um, who was also a psychologist, a counselor. So he was very, very helpful to me in trying to figure out life at that point. And 
Yeah. So I I loved I loved Westchester. Okay. I, I could really it really helped me to figure out my faith in a secular in a secular world and and study philosophy, continue study philosophy, continue to ask hard questions about life and God and yeah 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 it was very helpful. So did you did it, did you get a degree in that? I did. Okay. Yeah, I graduated with a degree in sociology. The beautiful thing at college is that's where I met Sherry. Yeah, at Westchester. So, okay. Yeah. So you met your wife there. When did you get married? We got married in August of 95. Okay. Yep. Sherry's from Lebanon. So okay. she graduated a semester after I did. And so when she graduated, I just followed her home to Lebanon because I was a homeless missionary kid and hmm. needed a place to live. So that's how I ended up here. Yeah. I said puppy who fell in love. I was the little dog that <laughs> she let follow her home. So. And so have you been in Lebanon since? We have been. Awesome. Now that you're married, you obviously have kids. How many kids? Two boys. Two boys, all right. Yeah, they are young adult men, I should young say. Young adult they're not men boys. now. Yeah, they're... Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned you had gone on mission trips, like short mission trips. Yeah. Where have you all been? And have you gone with your wife and did your kids come with? Or Yeah, so most of the times I went by myself. Okay. Um, I did take Corin on one of the, my oldest son, I took him on one of the trips to Brazil. Okay. So the trips that I've, that I've done internationally have been to brazil or to the dominican republic okay okay yeah. um what 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 type of things have you done down there and how have you seen the lord work when you went on these missions yeah the the one trip that really kind of was a breakthrough for me spiritually it was very helpful um i have a good friend from college who's a doctor um, okay and we're buddies to this day as a matter of fact he texted me to go fishing on saturday oh yeah um but he he as a doctor, he goes and does medical missions. So he invited me to come on a medical missions trip with him to Brazil and translate for his team. Now I got a question. What's a medical mission? So it's where he, as a doctor, mm -hmm. takes either by himself or with other doctors and nurses, and we would go and set up a clinic in a very poor part of the country and yeah. provide free medical care for wow. people. So we would we set up these mobile medical clinics and okay. we would do that every day from sun up sundown awesome. and serve yeah we would really pump a couple hundred people through a day wow yeah and then i would translate for the doctors okay so you were a translator down there. that's correct i was a translator yeah and what was the breakthrough i sorry i cut you off yeah but... so because it was in brazil i i was initially really excited about going to do the missions trip and then about a month before we left mm -hmm. i started getting a lot of anxiety about going yeah and i didn't know what that was about and the lord was really working with me on my on the anxiety and i was the job that i had at the time prior to being a pastor here at the church i worked for a large counseling a large counseling agency locally here yeah um and so i got into my car one morning and turned the radio on and the church radio station, our 93.1 radio station was playing and Pastor Tom was teaching, excuse me. And it was the story of, of Jesus walking on the water. And the first thing that caught my attention was the, the, that it was around three o'clock in the morning and my anxiety was, would, would wake me up. And, that, mm. and that's what got me, you know, that's what the, got my attention at first. And then the words that Jesus said was, it's all right, I'm here, don't be afraid. And wow. so I thought, well, okay, I needed that. 
And so I took that as a kind of a word from the Lord as an encouragement. Well, that same day, at the end of the day, I get in my car and turn on my key, turn the key to start the car and the church radio station's playing. And the same message, exact same place, exact same words came out of the radio, came out of the, the car stereo. And I thought, okay, well, it's not terribly a coincidence that that would happen. Tom is on twice a day, yeah, right? But it, it's unusual that it would be exactly that timing where I would, you know, I didn't always leave work at the same time. I didn't yeah. always start work at the same time. So that happened. And so I thought, okay, God, I know you're speaking to me now. Well, the next morning I get in my car and the exact same thing happened again. And the radio station software was actually glitching. Wow. So God used a glitch to speak into my life about trusting him. And, and I was super thankful for that. And to this day, I, that verse is a verse that I read every day. Like just Dwayne, God says to me, Dwayne, it's okay. I'm here. What's beautiful for me about that is in the Greek, it's not I'm here. It's the I am is here. Wow. The I am, the I am is here. Mm. And so God in all of his majesty, all of his sovereignty, all of his power, you know, he says, he says that to us. Mm. I am here. Since we're on the topic of anxiety, um, how would you encourage people that struggle with anxiety? Yeah. Um, I think anxiety is something that many, many people deal mm. with. Yeah. So, and there's all, you know, all types of reasons for it. Mm -hmm. I think, I think we as believers need to create a culture that is more accepting of people dealing with anxiety, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think a lot of times people get judged for anxiety as being a lack of faith. Yeah. And that's, and people beat themselves up a lot for dealing with anxiety. And mm -hmm. I think that's unfortunate. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think that it's much more common than people like to admit. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I treat it for what it is. It's real. Um, deal with it. Learn to deal with it, you know. I'm 50. I've been dealing with anxiety and depression for a long time in my life, but the Lord's very faithful. I, yeah. My next question was, do you still deal with anxiety and sure, depression? Sure, at times. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But you've learned how to hand it over to yeah, Jesus. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's not something that is ever away completely, but, but the Lord is with me every step. Mm -hmm. Very faithful. And I have people that I talk to when I need to. Going back to these short mission trips, were there any type of hardships that you seen happen that you thought wouldn't pull through, but you seen God pull through? Any neat stories like that that you can think of? Yeah, for sure. We we uh, one trip flying into Hesifi, Brazil, on I did the medical missions thing twice. So mm -hmm. one of the trips we landed in Hesifi, and the city was underwater. It was had been flooded by torrential rain, and yeah. so we had a hard hard time just getting around the city and that the Lord had worked it out. It took us like 15 hours to get where we wanted to go. And it was only supposed to be like a four hour drive. Yeah. Yeah, the Lord really blessed us there. Um, now I got a couple questions before we close. Um, how, how did God speak to you to go to these missions? Like how'd he call you in specific? Like 
did you just know or was it somebody mentioned something or was it something that you had a desire? I don't know. Yeah, so this is my understanding of how callings work. Yeah. Right. Callings for the most part, when somebody is willing, okay. the Lord calls them. Willing. Yep. Now that's not a hundred percent all the time because certainly the Lord calls people that are unwilling, like Ezekiel. Right. He went he did it, but he went fighting and kicking the whole time. Yeah. Right. Not the whole time. He eventually surrendered, but but so that was the so that what that was true in my case where I was willing. So I was literally called by people to do that. So okay. the first one was my friend that said, Hey, Dwayne, I'm doing medical missions. Do you want to come translate for us? We could really use you. And so I, mm-hmm. I was willing, that was the calling that I received. And so I did it. The second one, um, the director of the mission, a, a national, the national director of a mission in Brazil called me and said, Dwayne, I just had a team back out. Can you put a team together? and come and do a missions trip in Brazil. And so I called a bunch of my friends to see if anybody was interested. And I think four or five people from our church here went and four or five people from other churches that I knew went as well. And that was the calling was her calling me literally to go do it. And again, because I was willing and because it worked for my family that, yeah. So willing. Now I got a question. Um, what if somebody comes to you and says, oh, I'm called to do missions, but I don't have the money. What would you tell somebody like that? Yeah, I think the resources will follow the calling. Okay. So if somebody is truly called by the Lord and they're mm-hmm. obedient, then the Lord will, will provide for them. And if the Lord doesn't, then I would question the calling. So it goes back to, you know, you've heard the, le- the quotes from Chuck Smith uh, or, or many others that where the Lord leads, he provides. Yeah, yeah. So how has God used missions to draw you closer to him? I think God's allowed me to experience the things that I've experienced that have given me a, uh, a more global worldview yeah. just because of growing up in foreign country and traveling a lot. You know, I've been able to see a broader context for the gospel than just in our local society, our local culture, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, th- I think that's, that's been a part of He's given me a love for people, um, wherever they're at. I, I long to be with people and loving on people and teaching people. And yeah. That's you know, the poor, the, yeah. Yeah. Lastly, if you could encourage anyone out there wanting to go on a mission trip, what would you tell them now? Yeah. I, would encourage them to start praying that the Lord would prepare their minds and their hearts for that. Okay. Cause it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. So missions trips can be a very, very helpful thing for people because it challenges all of their comfort areas. So as you guys know, getting ready to go to the Dominican Republic and yeah, and what is it? We have six weeks, I guess. Yeah. Close to that. Yeah, it's you know, coming up. Yeah, I mean, Caleb's Caleb's been to Mexico a bunch of times, but many of the people on the trip haven't been abroad, and they're going to experience a third world country, Hi. and it's gonna it'll certainly challenge perspectives and mm-hmm. comfort areas, and it it definitely, like you said, opens uh, just your mind up to how big the world is, yeah. and that there is. 
uh, we get so stuck in, you know, at least we live here in America, just the American way of life in America. And we forget that there's people all over the world and it's so different. There's so just different, so yeah. many worlds in a sense that we just don't, we don't see and we don't, we don't even give thought to in so many ways. So it's definitely eye opening in that sense. I totally relate. Yeah. And my wife and I have a desire to be, to serve abroad mm -hmm. more, to do some trips together and really looking forward. You know, we would have never been able to do that while we were caring for Daniel, but now we're hoping to be able to do some trips together. Awesome. Coming up. Yeah. You used to do them solo. Now you can go with yeah, your Yeah. Which would be pretty, pretty fun to be able to do that. Yeah. 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 And I'm looking forward to hearing the stories and the people that come back from the DR trip and how, you know, what their experiences were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Caleb, you got anything else? Yeah, I would, I would love to hear, um, you know, not to spend a ton of time on it, but just how did you find uh, your way from, you know, graduating college and finding Sherry and all that to to Calvary Chapel here and mm -hmm. Lebanon where you serve now. How did that all kind of work out to be? Yeah, so my wife Sherry had, had come to faith in Christ in, in college. So um, when she had left Lebanon, she was not a believer. And when she moved back home, she had she was a believer. And we were um, soon engaged when we, when we came back to, to Lebanon. Um, her family's from here. She grew up at 10th and Mifflin, so right up not too far from the school ministry house actually. Um, so we got married in 95 and we had been looking for a church. And, and so two weeks after we got married, we had heard that there was a church starting at the YMCA, which was the founding church of this of Calvary it was called Cornerstone. And so we went there and turns out that Tom and Sue were an elder couple of that church. And so we met them and started a friendship with them. And we continued to be part of Cornerstone um, in, those, in those very early years. And then when, when Pastor Tom and wanted then to start a second Cornerstone, he was looking for people to be on that team. And so he invited my wife and I, Pastor Dan and Sue, I think, Caleb, your parents as well, mm -hmm. invited them to be part of that that planting team, that church starting team, and so that's how it started. And that was that was twenty five years ago. So it just kind of grew. So I I had been working in the counseling field, and I worked in the counseling field for seventeen years prior to becoming a pastor. And when as the church here grew and grew, I had I had periodically done some teaching. Tom had recognized some teaching gifts, giftings inside me. And so they had asked me to teach. I taught a, a home group at our house for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Did some Sunday morning as well, filled in for Tom and Dan at different times over the years. Um, was asked to be an advisor or elder, whatever it was back then. Um, and then when the church grew to a place where there was a lot more administrative needs, Tom asked me to be come on board and be a a like an administrative pastor, like an executive pastor for the church to put in systems that would need like how to order things, who's going to clean the church, all of those types of, yeah. of fun things. And so that's how it started. So, yeah. So I was, I was bored with my job in the corporate world and I wanted to do something more for eternity. It, 
seemed like a good fit for myself and my family, gave me more flexibility with my schedule to be able to Mm -hmm. help take care of Daniel and my wife. Although I didn't do that the best at times, but yeah. Now do you, oh, go on. You still do counseling today, right? So I do pastoral counseling. Yeah. I'm not a, Uh I'm not a, a, I don't have like a master's in counseling or anything like that, but I do a lot of pastoral counseling. Yes. Okay. Yeah. My wife and I do premarital counseling together. So Sherry is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of fun. We can do that together. So I can do pastoral counseling. She can do clinical or marriage and family counseling and be it for us to be able to sit in the room and do that. It's pretty neat. Is there is there anything you'd say to someone who's, who's interested in kind of that field? Any, any, any thoughts or anything so interested in in getting help or interested in being a helper or both well well both i was thinking more on the on the side of helping i know i have uh, i have a friend that is kind of pursuing that so someone that's been kind of in that field for a couple of years and i was curious if you had any thoughts yeah for sure so i'm just from my background and my in my own experience so i i had years of counseling with a christian counselor myself um, that was very beneficial for me. And so I'm very pro counseling and I, mm-hmm. I very much encourage more believers to go into the field to be able to provide that. If you look around, you, there's very few people that I meet that do not have some type of hard experience in their life, whether it's trauma as a child or whether they've lost somebody they loved and haven't learned how to deal with that. You know, there are many, many people that need support and the church is full of, of, people that need care. And so I encourage believers to be in the counseling field and pursue training and education for that. It's a very large need. Yeah, and there's lots of good places to get that training, those the training that you need to do that. Mm-hmm. You got anything else you'd like to share, Pastor Dwayne? Anything? Yeah, I'm uh, so excited that you guys are doing these podcasts and Yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. I think it's a great way to connect and reach people that you know may not listen to other things otherwise, you know, may not yeah. want to sit and listen to a long sermon but are happy to listen to a conversation. Yeah. So. Uh, thanks thanks for coming out though and being able to to share some things about your childhood, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To touch on what it was like to be a missionary's kid, to, you know, what your upbringing was and how you got here. Little little bit of everything. Somebody now that sees you can be like, oh, yeah, you know. Well, thank you for asking. I really appreciate that. You want to close us out, Caleb? Yeah, absolutely, Lord. I thank you. Um, that we could just sit down as as uh, as dudes and 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 talk and and just to hear uh, from Dwayne from his heart, just to his background. We just thank you that he's here serving, um, just in the church. And uh, I just pray for uh, anyone who will be listening who um, just has um, anxiety. I know I have seasons where I go in and out, uh, struggle more or less with it. And uh, I just pray that you would meet them where they're at, Lord. Mm. Um, Just as they go to just your word and and to prayer, Lord, that you would um, just minister to them, Lord. And uh, pray for for the counseling field, Lord, just in the church, if you're calling 
um, anybody to that, Lord. Uh, we just uh, pray that you'd work and, and you'd move and, and be with the counselors in the church, Lord. I just thank you for this time and, and this breath you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.